Welcome to the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast, also known as the SASPod. I am Lalita Duperon, Associate Director in the Center for South Asia. All our podcasts and information about the center are available at southasia.stanford.edu. Today, I am both delighted and somewhat trepidatious to welcome to the SASPOD Dr. Gauri Shankar, who himself is wonderful, but whose object of study is the, in my view, less wonderful King Cobra. And as I am truly terrified of snakes, I am not sure how I'm going to get through the next half hour. By way of trigger warning, we will be linking to Dr. Gowry's work in the show notes. And there are in his work, lots of pictures of extremely large serpents. Dr. Gowry was introduced to me by Dr. S.V. Mahadevan of Stanford Medical School, who collaborates with Dr. Gowry on a number of snake related projects. Uh, Dr. Gowry, I do not know how I ended up talking about snakes on the SASPOD, but I'm nevertheless so pleased you were able to make time for me. How are you? I am doing good, uh, Dr. Lolita. It's a pleasure. Thank you for you know having me here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, please start by way of introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about Dr. Gowry Shankar. Um, I work on one of the longest venomous snake on the planet. A species called king cobra right when i say longest it can grow up to four meters sometimes five meters but i would say just like your cats or dogs it, it could be a puppy for me because their intention is not to kill us though they can they they have a venom which can kill an elephant in one or two hours or kill, kill eight people but their intention is not to kill human beings so that is why that is what i do the most interesting thing, I think, <laughs> working <laughs> with the serpent. I'm a wildlife biologist. I try to look at their behavior, study them, and understand the interaction between the snake and people and come up with a strategy to mitigate human-snake conflict. Um, we'll get into how you got into that. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and whether that involved snakes and then your trajectory of study too. So some of the practical stuff. Sure. I grew up in a city called Bangalore. I know most of them know right now because it's yeah. also called Silicon Valley. You know, we yeah. have lots of software companies, name it, we have them. But that wasn't the case 25 years ago when I was in my college or, or school or 30 years ago. So Bangalore was a small town, sleepy town. And we, when we built a house in the outskirts, there were lots of snakes and people were scared and they were killing them and which I didn't like it. So I wanted to protect them. I wanted to save them. So the only option you have is capture them and release them away from the, their habitat. So that's what I started doing right from my school days. That's how I started. And when you say school, you mean like when you were a child? How old were you when you caught your uh, first snake? Oh yeah, I was about 14 years or 13, 14 years when I started, when I caught my first snake in my life. And were your parents pro snake? Where did that come from? No, no, my, my dad was an army, ex-army, so he always wanted me to get into army or navy, you know, air force or something. 
and no one from my background and this is 25 30 years ago when the profession was like accountant doctor or engineer these are the three professions known to everyone so i don't think it has changed very much <laughs> oh yeah no i know but i these days i think it's changed a little bit at least no you see a lot of youtubers and doing other stuff that time it was completely different it was completely unacceptable unaccept the profession i chose but yes, we never had anyone from my family or background who, who were into wildlife. I'm the first person. Fascinating. And then so did you go to study like biology or what's the trajectory and how did that sit with your family? Yeah, unfortunately, no, I didn't have any advisor at that time. So I did take up economics and accounts and did my college doing accounts and economics. But I always interested in wildlife. I wanted to go into the forest, work with this uh species king cobras or any wildlife for that matter the later i worked in some of the premier institutions and i had good mentors like anish Mohammad. they taught me a pretty good and when i say i taught because it's very difficult when you work with snakes if these days if you see people watching youtube and they want to do things on their own and they get bitten and die their age group is 19 to 24. this is the age group where kids young fellows are dying due to snake bites because they watch us or anybody on YouTube. I never had that chance. So I survived that period without uh, YouTube or uh, Google on my own. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, you you ended up um, working at the Madras Crocodile Bank, which, oh, yes. so snakes and crocodiles, the only thing they have in common as far as I'm concerned, terrifying. Um, <laughs> do you love them both equally or how did that yes. work out? Yeah. I, I love all the animals, you know, but end of the day, when you want to become an expert or you want to know more about one particular species or in any taxa, I think it requires a lot of time. You won't believe I haven't done anything other than king cobras for almost 20 years. Wow. I don't find time for anything else. Mm -hmm. But yes, that doesn't mean I don't know about crocodiles. I don't know about cobras or your rattlesnakes. I know a little bit about everything, but I've delved so deep into the king cobras. I know little more than any other species. So yes, I equally love crocodiles. I love your cats, dogs, <laughs> tigers, anything. I I um I shared with Dr. Gowry at the start of the before we started the recording. This is for my audience that I just adopted two kittens and they're gonna make noise at some point. So the yeah. podcast will be interrupted. Uh, hence the references to my cats. Now you ended up doing a PhD at the University of Uppsala, is that correct? On yes. King Cobras? King Cobras and also uh, at the Indian University, uh, North Orissa University in eastern parts of India. Okay. And so that was a combined PhD? Combined PhD, yes. And what did you find out during the PhD? What, what was that on? Oh, quite interesting and long, long, long uh, pending work. You know, I would say the King Cobra was described or identified or described, when I say described, was, was uh, introduced to the world through a scientific paper in 1836 by Cantor. So after that, a lot of herpetologists had a speculation that king cobras living in different islands or different places, habitat might be different species, but no one worked on it. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough, or it's my honor to do this for my PhD. I looked at the genetic variation across the population from India to Philippines and came up with this epic discovery of four species king cobra is not one species anymore it's four independent lineages or species i would say that is my phd 
and well congratulations on that discovery so are they like what what makes them different and is what makes them the same because they're all called king cobras <laughs> yes they're called the common name yes an english name would be common i mean it's king cobra what makes them different let's say humans and chimpanzees for the yeah. primate we have two to three degrees i mean three temp three percentage or four percentage of genetic differences right yeah variation i would say right so that way when i looked at their molecular work i collected the samples extracted the dna and did some molecular tests i figured out these king cobra population these four varied anywhere between one to six percentage genetic variation so when you can separate yourself from the chimpanzee which is just two percent variation i would say there are four different species because yeah. six percent is a big difference so that is how you distinguish one population from another. There is one a new technology that is your genetic work. But the second thing, the old school would be the morphological differences, how different they look. Mm -hmm. right? King Cobra from Western Guards, India might look completely different from Philippines or Eastern Guards or a Bornean or Indonesian one. So these are the two uh, school of thoughts I used to identify four different lineages. Now, I'm, I know nobody wants to hear this question. It used to annoy me a lot also when I was uh, doing my doctoral work, but why is this important? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really sad. Um, I know people, humans would like to know anything which is important to them, they would love to keep it. Anything which is irrelevant or not useful, they want to eradicate or remove it. That's the sad part, but I would like to tell you know, the listeners that we're all part of the food chain. Human was also part of the food chain. We ate other animals, other animals ate us. Somehow with all the brain development, we have become much, much bigger than any other animal. But unfortunately, we've reached that stage where if it is useful, we are going to keep it. If we're not useful, it'll be an etiquette. Okay, let me say king cobras or snakes are important in the ecosystem. They act as one of the biological control uh, on rodents particularly for example in somewhere the studies in some parts of india where we uh, there's a paper which says about 30 to 40 percentage of food grain is eaten up by rodents you know everybody knows how fast a rodent or uh, rat population can increase because the kind of breeding system they have mm -hmm. if we don't have snakes which can go deep into their burrows and feed on the entire family of rodent and control the rodent population, I'm sure we would lose our food grains to this, these rats and we're gonna starve and die. So snakes play a very important role in controlling the rodent population. This is an interesting, I've never thought of that. Also it explains the shape of the snake because they can go into- Exactly. exactly. Yes, okay, so yeah. next time I have a bagel, I will thank a snake for allowing <laughs> the grain to exist. That's it, I love that. Um, what about the, the fact that there's four types of king cobra? Why is that important? Oh, that's that's good. So let's say they're in the different places, you know, uh, for example, let's say we have anti-venom. If, mm -hmm. if you get bitten by snakes, so we'll, we, we live with that. We'll co we have to coexist with it. We cannot remove them from the planet because they've been here for hundreds of millions of years. We just evolved recently. Five million years. So we are quite new on this planet compared to them. So I would say the only solution is to coexist with them. 
while coexisting there are conflicts where we kill them they also kill us but there are, there's a conflict mm -hmm. so if we want to know if there's a king cobra anti-venom let's say an antidote for a snake bite so we do have anti-venom for thai king cobra we recently or we got to figure we figured out that thai anti-venom doesn't work on indian population uh -huh. it did not work on a population of king cobras living on philippine islands or andaman islands so that can be a problem so i would say un until we know the the fundamental whether they're different species then the next project will be look at their uh, the venom variation have specific anti-venom for specific population understood okay so that's why we need to know now i understand that the the um the interest in anti-venom came from quite a personal experience of yours yes. do you want to share that story with my audience yeah. Yes, so though I knew the anti-venom produced in Thailand doesn't work on Indian king cobra, I still, the love of the species, you know, I do rescues, I've, I've rescued close to 400 king cobras. Every year on an average 25 to 30 king cobras are rescued. When I say rescued, it's a distress situation. There's a king cobra somebody's house, you have to capture them and release it. Otherwise, they have to kill it, which I don't like it. Yeah. Well, one of the rescues, I got bitten by the king cobra. Uh oh. <laughs> and uh, the sad part is, we, the Indian population of king cobras, we don't have antivenom. So only antivenom I had, the stock was from Thailand, which I tried using it, but it didn't work. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. because the populations are different, venoms are different, so I almost died. Luckily, like I always say, the king cobras don't want to kill us. Their intention is not to kill us, right? He gave me a very, very uh, small scratch, just a scratch. So very less venom was injected in my body, which wasn't enough to kill me. But still, it put me in a hospital for almost three days. And and the post-bite uh, trauma or uh, you know, symptoms went on for almost 15, 20 days. I suffered a lot, but you would be surprised immediately after the hospital i was supposed to go home but i went straight for another rescue so i didn't even go home and lie down on my bed after the bite after three days went and caught one more rescue and did one more rescue released the snake went back and then slept on my bed so that was my personal experience so when was this this was almost 15 16 years ago when i was when Quite you were younger young um, and stupid i would say I do, yeah i do have to i wouldn't use that word but i do have to speak very uh, ask you very respectfully like you were actually bitten you suffered and and you went back like what's the matter with you? <laughs> I, I know i know i i uh people ask me this question but no i think uh, i love this animal i am i love to spend time with them i i it's i i don't blame this this animal the king cobra doesn't know that I'm I'm here to save the snake, or save I mean save him. For him, somebody is handling me. I'm not happy, so he's going to bite. He's going to be defensive. Yeah, the self defense. So I'm not going to blame him. So that's my mistake. I should have been more matured or more, you know, have been more careful while handling. So I didn't blame it. I was happy. Got bitten. Got back into the job. So I'm I'm okay. I'm not crazy. <laughs> 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 no, and and we, and we don't think that, but I, I guess I do find the fascin the fascination yeah. fascinating. Um, I know that um, 
there's an idea uh, in many parts of the world of snakes as having a kind of a spiritual power. People feel a spiritual connection to snakes. There's many um, within South Asian mythologies. There's lots of stories around snakes. Do you connect to those? Do you feel a spiritual power? Is it much more kind of earthly? Yeah, I think more earthly or more, you know, in 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 with the nature, you know. Maybe I was a tribe or, you know, lived in the forest for a long time. The modern world would have changed, which I didn't like it. So I want to go back to the roots, live with them in the forest and connect with them. But spiritually, I mean, the 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 cultural aspect in India, particularly, we have so many positive, uh, you know, myths, I would say. Myths can be positive and negative. For example, in our place, people don't kill king cobras. They consider them as one of their ancestors and a positive belief, I would say, if the king cobra goes through their property that year, they're going to have a bumper crop, a price. So that's a, like a positive thing. If there's a king cobra in their house, they're going to kill them. They're not going to kill them. They're going to wait for me to come. If I tell them I'm going to Bangalore city, I'm going to take about eight hours to reach, they will wait. Mm. They lock the doors. They will go sleep. And if it's overnight, they're going to sleep in their relative's house, but they'll never disturb the snake. That's the kind of reverence they have towards the species. So that helps a lot in conserving, in conserving this uh, magnificent amazing species. that's amazing and do you think there's a practical component that if you know there's a king cobra around that the rodent population will be is there a connection there with the crop uh, the bumper crop exactly i um, some of them some of the old generation definitely know the importance of the king cobras but the modern the so-called educated kids or younger generation is losing that touch that is where i try to reach out to the local people and tell them look if you're scared of other venomous snakes which are going to kill you then it's better to have one king cobra because king cobras are snake eaters. They eat other snakes, exclusively other snakes. They don't feed on rodents, they don't feed on birds, but other snakes keep, the, keep, keep your rodent population under control. King cobra will keep your other venomous snakes under control. For example, a Malabar viper, where we find them everywhere. The more people getting bitten by one green Malabar pit viper than a venomous snake like a king cobra. There are hardly any cases. So king cobra can eat a, 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 a rat snake, a cobra, which is venomous snake, a crate, which, which is venomous snake. So he will keep under control other venomous snakes. That means he's helping the local community, local farmer. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, so you do mention that a lot of people are bitten by snakes um is this worldwide or in india and how does that compare to other ways of people getting sick or being in accidents where does the snake bite kind of land in a uh, list that's a very interesting question you asked and it's very very relevant i want everyone to know uh snake bite according to who has been declared as neglected tropical disease it's a controllable disease but due to lack of uh political uh bandwidth or uh, pressure we are not able to do it over 135,000 or 140,000 people die due to snake bites every year in in the world wow like South America Africa Asia this is the hot spot because we are in the tropical country we have lots and lots of venomous snakes so people do die and unfortunately it saddens me to say India 
contributes to the maximum number of snake bites to the to the data like 60,000 people die every year due to snake bites in India so it is a big problem wow so, what about other ways I mean uh, other uh, like malaria or um, road accidents or or how does where does the snake bite land yeah the, when you compare uh, with the road accident where which I often follow all over the world you know people are so reckless and they just don't mind killing each other in India alone 140,000 people die due to snake uh, due to road accidents every year so that way snake bite is very very less but we don't want to eradicate roads we don't want we're not stopping in building new cars and fastest cars fastest bikes but we want to eradicate snakes I don't see it I don't I, mean, I don't think it's fair it's a, such an interesting way of putting it because the logic I think is is good but it like like emotionally it feels different like I, I'm not scared of a car but I'm scared of a snake even though the one is more likely to kill me than the other that's uh it, it's amazing how human beings work I guess yes. um Okay, so I guess I'm on board with you now that snakes are good and that they they have a purpose and, and they're just doing what they're supposed to do and they're not out to get us. All of that, I hear you and I I love how, how engaged you are with the topic and it's beautiful to see that. Nevertheless, that fear is inside me. I mean, I am terrified. I mean, even this whole conversation, I feel mildly uncomfortable because we're talking about snakes. How do you reassure someone like me? What is the way to cut through that kind of what feels like a very physical, uh, visceral reaction to snakes? <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I'm with you. M maximum, the larger population are scared of snakes or any animal for that matter. I would definitely respect that. You know, that fear little bit is very good. I mean, you shouldn't be as crazy as me, but the fear is really good. For example, I, I, when I wanted to visit US, I did a little bit of homework. How do I cross the road? What kind of cars you have? What are the rules, regulations I'm, I'm supposed to follow? Because I don't want to die on the road. Mm -hmm. Or major other things. So similarly, when you live in a place where you have to share your space with other snakes or any dangerous animals, I would suggest to do your homework or you learn about the animals with whom you have to coexist. That's all simple. Learn about the venomous snakes you have, what are their behavior, what makes you in that situation, puts you in that situation where you will have an encounter with them, clear those stuff. For example, if I live in a place in tropical countries or particularly in India, we have very open kitchen and open dining. We eat, we, sometimes we just throw the leftover food outside in the villages, which is, which is not good. That attracts rats rats will bring the snakes into your rooms mm. after you go to bed rats are everywhere in your house they're foraging looking for food in your kitchen bedroom wherever you're stored so that brings the snake into your bedroom okay. i would suggest keep the rats away don't provide shelter and food when i say shelter keep your garage clean keep your garden clean make sure you have enough pathway when you're walking make sure there is an not a rattlesnakes or any any animal venomous animal sleeping right next to your path or your steps or your garage keep everything clean that's it don't provide food and shelter if you keep these things away for that you need to understand the animal first yeah like i said yeah, rodents, wow. rodents and shelter that's it 
So I love to go hiking, but there are a lot of rattlesnakes in California. And so I'm always very nervous because sometimes the paths can be quite overgrown, even though the paths are there. So how does one safely go hiking when there are rattlesnakes around? So this is the first part where you don't want them in your comfortable zone. That is your home. That's what I managed to cover. The second one, you want to explore you. Now you are entering into their home. Ah, yes. You are stepping into their home, how yes. you avoid. They will also have their own ways to avoid. If they know you're coming in that path, they're, not, they're going to move away. The first thing they're going to do is to move away. Second thing, if the snake is still there and he couldn't move, he's going to think you didn't spot him because they depend on camouflage and they're going to quietly sit there. Beyond that, if you cross the line, if you think you're too close, he's going to give you enough warning signal. Like a rattlesnake, rattles are really good. Please do not put headphones, don't listen to sound, I mean music when you're walking in the forest. You have to be very, very cautious. You have to have complete, both your eyes focused, ears open, so that you don't make any mistake because you are in in their house. Second thing, if you're walking in the night, I would definitely request you to hold, have a flashlight with you. And of course, having a stick in your hand and making a lot of noise, the vibration definitely will make the snake move away and long boots, shoes completely covered, and a good jean or a a trouser or pant, which is a little thick, I would suggest, and a full arm shirt would definitely help you. That's all you need to do. Fantastic. This I love this very practical advice and I feel so reassured. Um, I want to ask you about the work that you did with Dr. Mahadevan. Uh, he's in Stanford Medical School. He introduced me to you. He said, Lalit, you've got to talk to Dr. Gowry. We're working together on snakes. I said, oh, no. Uh, but Dr. Maha will uh, convince anyone of anything because he's wonderful that way. What, what project are you working on with uh, Dr. Mahadevan? That's interesting. So I know our audience would connect this. See, looking at, I told, I want to understand the species and the people, how they interact and how could we mitigate the problem, human snake conflict. So for that, yes, I can talk to people and tell them, guys, do this, this, this. People are going to listen. The second thing is to understand the species, understand that particular animal or snake. How, what is their home range? How far they have moved? How do they interact with people? Why do they go into people's house? Or why do they sleep at a particular point where they bite people? So to understand this, I need to track them. Because snakes are very, very secretive animals. You can't track them. You can't spot them in the wild. They are well camouflaged. So the only way is to put a transmitter. That is where Professor Mahadevan comes in action. He's a doctor. Of course, he's a human doctor. I do have a veterinarian. But having him by our side with all his knowledge but the medicine, medical part helps us a lot. So he helps us in bringing the transmitters and receivers from US and Canada, and he sits right next to us. He monitors our snakes, you know, anesthesia and everything is so perfect. He's really good with uh, all these things. His knowledge, his information is of great support for us. So that's the project. We are working on a species called Malabar Pit Viper. Like I mentioned, it this species bites more people than a king cobra or a cobra in our part. So we are trying to learn about this species through radio telemetry project, a transmitter which is fixed into the snake and we track them using a receiver. And what are you learning from this uh, or is it too soon to say? Yeah, it's too too, 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 so, uh, too soon to say, but we, we had really interesting, we know where exactly they live in monsoon, they go up the canopy, 
in summer they come down and they are found very close to our kitchen and dining hall you know and uh, we are trying to understand where exactly they settle down in the night and the day uh, later we want to work this uh, some of the species which live very close to village settlement and then that is the next year coming year project now that we understood a little bit about them in the forest now we'll move our study site site to a village to see the interaction between humans and snakes so we got pretty good interesting yeah it's too soon we ha we haven't analyzed our data yet sure and i'm sure dr maha works in emergency medicine and so he must see a lot of people that have been bitten by snakes so he has a real interest in learning how to avoid that by the sounds of it exactly so when he comes we do go take him uh, to some of the uh, snake bite victims who survived and you know they're still alive to tell us the story and uh, you know to he i think it helps him a lot to an understanding the human part of it you know for sure for sure wow this is so fascinating um i understand you have a of course um our audience can't see that but uh, we have a beautiful background of well, it looks like a, a tropical rainforest. Um, I understand that you're trying to build or you are building a king cobra sanctuary. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I live in a beautiful place right in the middle of the forest, about four kilometers from the main road. I mean, that's the closest road you'll find and uh, closest town would be 25 to 30 kilometers. So quite away from human habitation and we don't have neighbors, just the research station and our students will live there and follow the snakes day in, day out. We are in the nature, with the nature. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place. Uh, and it's in, uh, in, is it near Bangalore where you yes. grew up? Yeah, uh, we are about 400 kilometers from Bangalore city uh, in the central Western Ghats in Karnataka state. That is okay. where the station is. And not only snakes, we also look at other taxa. We, it's a field station where students can come up with their projects, PhD or master project. They can stay there, do their field work, do the analysis and head back to their universities. So it's a complete field station equipped with basic amenities like cottages, kitchen, dining hall. And yes, you'll be surprised we have internet there. <laughs> Okay, now it's become more appealing, I have to admit. <laughs> it's a beautiful place where anybody can come. We don't, I mean, you can be part of a research team, but if you don't want to, you can come, relax, have a cup of coffee at the, in the dining hall, and you'll see about 30, 40 species of birds using your binocs, have a long lens. You don't need to go anywhere. It sounds amazing. And so the king, you, will the king cobra sanctuary be there? And is it a sanctuary for the snakes that you rescued or as a... Uh, as a part of research or both that's good yeah that's the point i forgot yes uh this is a dream of one of my mentor i would say romulus fitaker you know when we would start we started the research in this place so we always dreamt about having complete a, a big chunk of forest dedicated for the conservation of king cobras so my dream is to establish or come up with this idea have a nice big chunk of forest just for king cobras but when I say king cobras, Lalita, uh, it's, it's king cobra is a apex predator among snakes, right? So king cobras feed on other 30 or 40 species of snakes in that, uh, in that habitat. And these 40 species feed on about 60 species or 40 species of amphibians. If you see the food chain, 
king cobra is the apex predator so we want like my dream is king cobra is the apex predator or charismatic species under the umbrella of king cobra we're going to conserve hundreds of plants and trees and other biodiversity that's the goal i absolutely love it um we will link in the show notes as i already said um to some of your work but what is the easiest way for people to find out more about your work and about this sanctuary that you're planning yeah please follow after my phd even i'm on my social media network till then i was really very reluctant and didn't know how to do it but looks like this is the only way to reach out larger audience mm -hmm. so kalinga center for rainforest ecology which is our uh, organization the kalinga foundation and gauri shankar we three we have our social media platforms like instagram facebook and youtube and our website which you're going to provide please link and follow us and see every day how what we do how you know how we follow these snakes and the wonderful work done by our team and please feel free to write to us if you need to support or any way you want to come and just relax like i said with a book and a cup of coffee we're happy to host you there and uh, anywhere you think that you can contribute for the conservation of the rainforest in western guards or the king cobra we are happy to collaborate with you this is absolutely amazing thank you so much for your time and and you've done the impossible you've made me feel mildly more positive towards snakes which i didn't think that was manageable so thank you Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lalita. And I'm, I hope someday I get to host you now, please. You know, I'm tempted. So let's talk about it. Um, many thanks also to Soham Shiva for creating the music, to the Saspod and Simrat Mataru for post-production. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SASPOD, the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast. Find out all about the Stanford Center for South Asia at southasia.stanford.edu and find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for joining us and I hope you can tune in again soon.